Welcome back to the Awaken Project podcast, everyone. Blake here. Real quick, I just want to extend a thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode right here, right now. And if you're somebody that listens to our podcast regularly, thank you so much for your support and listening to the episodes that we release. Before we jump into this week's episode, I'd like to share more with you about our gap year program that's kicking off this fall. Our Gap Year is a discipleship program that seeks to inspire, educate, and disciple young adults between the ages of 18 and 25 years old. And our program is going to be hosted at Mount Carmel Ministries, which is located in Alexandria, Minnesota. This is a beautiful camp with amazing facilities, and hands down my favorite part about this camp is that it's surrounded by Lake Carlos. Those that choose to be a part of our discipleship gap year are going to experience things like hands-on practical ministry, godly teachings from a great group of ministry leaders, and they're also going to have the opportunity to travel throughout the U.S. as we partner with Quake events. So if any of this sounds exciting or interesting to you and you're between the ages of 18 and 25, we would encourage you to head on over to our website and apply, and you can find the website link to the application in the show notes of this episode. Also, if you're a pastor, youth pastor, or ministry leader, and this sounds like an opportunity that you'd like to share with your students, we would love to connect with you. Head on over to our website. That link is also in the show notes, and click on contact, shoot us an email, and we'll get back to you as soon as possible. Lastly, as we continue to follow where God is leading us, we would love for you to join us on this journey. And a couple simple ways that you can do that is by first and foremost through prayer. Join us in praying that God would lead young adults who are seeking to invest in their faith to join our Gap Year program. Pray that God would use this ministry to build up young adults in the gospel and lead them closer to Jesus. Number two is by financially supporting the ministry of the Awaken Project as we continue to discover new ways to reach generations for Jesus. Whether it's a financial gift of $1 to $1,000 and beyond, our ministry will be incredibly blessed by your generosity as we continue to move forward. To give, head on over to our website and click on Donate. Once again, thank you so much for listening to the Awaken Project podcast. Now, on to this week's show. everybody to the Awaken Project podcast. It is it is good to be with you all today. We're going back to our interviews. If uh, if you've been following us for a little bit of, of a little bit of time, it's just been Blake and myself going back and forth. Um, but today we're going back into bringing some people that are a little bit smarter than the two of us to get to talk about a couple of things. And today in particular, get to talk with none other than Mr. Mark Dieterding of Triune Leadership Services. We're going to be talking about servant leadership, how that affects the young adults, and just from a personal standpoint, I am super excited to finally have Mark on the podcast. It's been almost a year. I think I reached out to you last December, January, somewhere in there of 2019 into 2020, and I was coming in out of Spain, and you were heading off to Arizona, and that really wasn't going to work. And finally, now that we live right down the road from each other, we can make it happen. So, Mark, super glad to have you on. If you could just tell us a little bit about yourself, just your general backstory, and then the one icebreaker question that we always have for our guests. If you could outline for us your ideal three-course meal. So, Sounds good. Well, Stephen, it's just uh, really great to be here. I just appreciate the opportunity to uh, be on this awesome uh, Awaken Project podcast. It's a real honor for me. 
And I just love what you're doing, love what you're doing, speaking into these young adults. And uh, so it's a real pleasure to be here today. So my backstory is I, you know, basically spent uh, 35 years in the printing industry is I was, uh, came out of high school. I'd worked in a printing plant during my high school years and knew that's what I wanted to do. That's what my father did and spent 35 years working at a couple of the largest uh, web offset printing companies in the world. Um, and just had a great opportunity to lead a lot of people during those times and learn a lot of different things about leadership for sure. And then um, about 10 years ago, I decided to uh, step away from the corporate world, if you will, and just uh, invest into leaders, uh, really just looking to help them to understand the positive impact they could have by stepping into um, you know, servant leadership specifically. And even more specifically than that, in uh, looking at Jesus as the model for that servant leadership. And it's just been uh, an absolute blast. That's when I, I started Triune Leadership Services to do just that. Um, in that role, I'm an executive coach and as well as a servant leadership development consultant. So just love what I do. Um, don't doesn't feel like work for sure. Uh, I just have to pinch myself every day and the people that I get to work with and walk alongside as they step into enhancing their own servant leadership uh, skills and abilities each and every day. From personal side, uh, I'm married. Uh, my wife and I, my wife Kim and I, have uh, two boys, David and Dan, who are both uh, married to our beautiful uh, daughter-in-laws, and we also have five grandchildren with one on the way in about two more months. Congratulations. All right. And that three-course meal. We need that, too. The three-course meal. That's really... This is is a staple. This is a huge part of the podcast here. Okay. Well, if I would go to my ultimate go-to, it's probably a uh, nice uh, Caesar salad with uh, some homemade lasagna oh, as right. the next is. course. Nice. And then uh, probably a uh, Heath Bar Blizzard to toss it, top it off with dessert. Nice. Are you, are you Italian by chance? I am not. You're not? No, Just, but I love Italian food. Okay, there you go. And a shout out to DQ. For, <laughs> there you go. Okay. So, you, so talking about servant leadership, and for someone that has never heard of servant leadership before, if just like what is the... 20 to 30 second dictionary definition of servant leadership? You know, the easiest way to think about it is that you step into each day thinking about the greater good of others above and beyond yourself. So getting outside of yourself and uh, just thinking about how you can help those people within your sphere of influence into achieving their own God-given potential. So that sounds really, really good off the start. But then you actually, you, you take off the lid a little bit and then there's a whole world right underneath it. And so what you, what you mentioned before that you work with Try and Leadership Services, you are the founder, correct, of Try and Leadership Services. And so if you could just compare, I guess, regular, regular leadership in, we'll use the corporate world, the world that you came from, and now what you get to do with servant leadership, what exactly sets servant leadership apart? Yeah, the easiest way to uh, frame that up, Stephen, is uh, it's the head versus the heart, right? Uh, positional authority type leadership is all about the head and figuring, you know, how can I squeeze out X amount of more dollars to, you know, from a profitability standpoint? How can I improve performance X amount? You know, those types of things, which are all good. 
uh, where servant leadership moves you to is really it's a game of the heart and what you have within your heart and how you care truly at the core for other people. And the belief that when you do the right things with people in caring for them, I will even say loving them, uh, you won't have to worry about the performance or the profitability and those type things. That is the applause for doing the right thing with people. So you've got a book out called Leading Jesus Way. And I th- one, of the, one of the quotes that I found really intriguing, at least, so in regards to the performance, at least, that you res- the, the, the keeping track of your results, that's not necessarily your end goal. It's more so just your scoreboard. And so um, asking specifically for how exactly servant leadership allows you to almost step away from having to worry about those results. If you could speak into that a little bit. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, I think it was Peter Drucker that said, you know, culture eats strategy for breakfast every day, right? I mean, that culture and working with people is what it's really all about. Um, and, and that's, I've seen it proven out in the time that I had the opportunity to lead organizations and, uh, you know, my client base that I work with day in and day out. I mean, it just comes to the forefront every day that if they focus more on the people, the profitability, the results, the performance will all fall into place. Those are very important. I will never apologize for the need to be profitable and never apologize and celebrate when we're highly profitable. Profit is the fuel, uh, you know, it's basically the fuel that drives us our ability to, to achieve our purpose and why we're here, you know, in this world. Uh, but the way that you achieve that, I believe, most effectively is by focusing on people first and foremost. Sure. And for someone that, so still a Christian podcast here, for some people that might be a little bit leery of going into profit, you know, because I, I think we've seen an, enough examples over the years of people that have abused the Christian faith in the name of profit. And so what exactly is the, the tension or the tension or balance, whichever way you want to look at it, between it's okay to be profitable, but at the same time, you know, it's not the end goal, you know? Yeah. Well, I always think about it is the more profit that we make, the more we can give away. And, uh, you know, give away to those those places that really need it. And, you know, from the standpoint of whatever it is that, you know, charity that you're a big fan of, you know, what greater way to be able to fund those things, you know, is through your profits. And I think, again, that's the Lord will bless. I mean, it's biblical and it proves it out time and time again. The Lord will bless you as you steward your gifts and as you get showered with profitability for doing the right thing with people, and then you give that away to great things that are, you know, focusing on people and the greater good of folks along the way too, it's all, you know, part of the process. So it's not profit is not a dirty word. Sure. Well, and I think some people they would tie profit closely with the word prosperity, and I, I know for for myself at least, and I can think of a couple other people that are leery of the prosperity gospel. As in, if you do this, then you get this. If you do this, then you are healed from this. If you give this in particular, this particular dollar amount, then you are going to receive this, you know. And we'll, we'll get into this a bit more. But the fact that I, I love that mindset of, well, if we make more, that means we get to give away more, you know. So maybe another episode will be, how do you, popular, how do you popularize that at some point? Um, but so then moving specifically into the relationship side of it. So in your 
career working at least on the printing industry. So these are pretty large factories that you are ahead of. Um, one of the part, one of the parts that I really enjoyed reading about in the book too was you walking along the factory floor at least twice a day, getting to actually talk to the people that you were working with and also making sure that they had control and just freedom within the work that they were doing. It was a certain ownership spirit that was instilled into them. And so how do you, how do you instill an ownership spirit by serving versus just coming in and being the head honcho that's like, all right, you got to do it this way, this way, this way, and then hope for the best, you know? Yeah, for sure. So in the model that I really illustrate, and the model is Jesus' model. I mean, he, he showed us how to lead. You know, you get back to why did I choose Jesus as the model? Well, you think about it. Jesus had a senior leadership team of 12 people that he ended up multiplying to a movement of 2.5 billion people today. Right. And so that take, took a significant amount of amazing leadership. And so I just look at that model and I say, okay, what are the components of that model getting to your question? Well, the foundation is a big part. That's where the servant leadership starts purpose, vision, and values. Everything is built upon that. But from there, it's the tipping it over and where we get into that mode of service, uh, to your point. So how do we go about doing it? Well, we build energy. We're specific about how we build energy within people. And as leaders, that's all about being present and approachable, being out amongst the team, letting them know how important they are to the mix. I don't care what job that you have within the organization. You are just as important as anybody else. Every, it takes every last person in the organization to achieve our purpose and achieve our vision. Well, guess what? They don't normally get that unless a leader is connecting those dots for them and out there letting them know how important they are. And then, as you mentioned, putting them in control of the goal, allowing them, we want heads in the game, not just hands and feet, right? We want brains. Because when you untap the brain potential of every person that you've got in an organization, whether you're an organization of five people, whether you're an organization of 3,000 people, I mean, you're just going to be more powerful. All of us are always smarter than any one of us. So it's up to the leader, that servant leader, to untap that and put people in control of the goal when they have the competency that you know, can, can put that into play. And then, you know, I always say one of the very biggest things that a leader can do, that any of us can do, and when I talk leadership, I'm not talking about a title. I mean, that's what we talk about. I mean, there's leadership going on in the elementary school playground. I mean, everybody is a leader. And one of the greatest things a leader can do is go out every day and catch people doing the right thing and let them know how much you appreciate it. Let them know the difference they're making. Let them, I mean, lift them up for the, you know, just the impact that they're having on the organization, on society, on the family. I mean, you name it. And people will just, that drives energy more than anything that I know. And will get people engaged in the achievement of the purpose and things like that is when that leader is out there amongst the team, noticing the great work that's happening, noticing the type of individual they are when they're playing out the values. It's not just performance, it's what type of a teammate you are. Wow, you are such an add to this team just by how you embrace people, how you help people get through the day, how you, you know all those things. Those are values that you bring to the table and a leader needs to acknowledge people for doing that. Well, guess what? That happens in our everyday life, whether you're in college, at school, you know, lifting a peer up, lifting a friend up, lifting a roommate up, 
every day. What a wonderful way to brighten people's day and to have an impact on them is to notice the great things they're doing. You know, the fact that they picked up the room today. The yeah. Fact that they, oh, you know, amen to that. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, and so I think something that can develop on the other side of that is this, it's a certain animosity towards leaders when, you know, the leadership position is viewed as, oh, they've made it. They're kind of they're safe from maybe all, some of the other stuff that goes on here. In the they don't have to do my job. If they if only they knew what I had to go through on a daily basis, right, to put food on the table for my family, to put my kids through college, whatever it is. Would you say that following this servant leadership model, being able to actually get out and talk to the people that you're leading, is that almost? dare I say, not like a magic wand, but certainly a, a catalyst for change in the right direction for making sure that you, the people that you're leading don't almost, they, they build up this, this false reality in front of them of all oh, the leader. They don't care about me. They don't care about the work that I'm doing, the job that I have. They don't want me to have the control that I have, anything like that. Yeah. There's no doubt that a person will feel that way if they don't know their leader. And, you know, if their leader's just sitting up in a corner office all day long or in the supervisor's office all day long and never coming out and they don't, I mean, they might be the greatest person in the world, but how do they know? And they're not going to assume they're the greatest person in the world. They're going to assume just the opposite. So we have to be out there amongst the team. And I would even go a step further. I mean, I absolutely, that was my favorite part of the day is getting out and, you know, cruising around, talking to the folks. But the, the other thing I love doing is on a, you know, whether it's a quarterly basis, a monthly basis, whatever, is I would go out and pull an entire shift. I'd say, I want to walk in your shoes at a whole nother level. And I want to fly off the end of this press, take the, you know, all the signatures off this press for eight hours a day, just like you have to do every day to see what it's like today in this heat and this humidity and that type thing. And then I can relate that much more to your world and what needs to be done. And when people see their leader doing that, stepping into truly putting on their shoes and walking in those shoes, that just, you know, makes a huge, huge difference of, you know, that they tell can tell that the leader really does care about them at the core, that it goes beyond just what they're, you know, talking about and so forth, that they truly do care. And people can tell when it's real, when it's legitimate and that type of thing. And that's what, at the end of the day, servant leadership is really all about. Well, and so... I think something that has developed, at least amongst people, again, so I'd say the older half of Gen Z and then for most of millennials, something that this generation craves more than anything is authenticity. And so getting into what you're talking about now with seeing that leaders you know, do care, that there is an authenticity, there is a I do care about you, your job, all that kind of stuff. If you could just speak into what exactly servant leadership can provide and maybe even like an example so like how you learn per se from your dad growing up the example that he was for you in terms like day in and day out authenticity that lasts and maybe to you know this we're not just talking about you know a pat on the back one day but like legitimate you know you're talking monthly quarterly there's a consistent example i think that's something that is missing in terms of the authenticity that people are searching for today that's huge, Stephen, that you bring up there, the authenticity piece. And that's why, I mean, what rests on top of the model that I believe that Jesus showed us is character. And character is all about trust. It's all about authenticity, like you say. It's all about, you know, who you really are as a person at the end of the day. And that's what, you know, my encouragement to people is, I mean, you qualify to be a manager by your title. 
you qualify to be a leader by your character or authenticity or whatever is that it's not just something that you can get because you have a title. People aren't going to want to be coached by you, to be led by you, you know, that type of thing just because of your title. Where they do want to be led by somebody of high character that is totally authentic, you know, and that type of thing. And that's why, I mean, what I talk to people about on that is first and foremost, again, presence and approachability. Are you out there to really so people can see who you really are? You know, are you showing value and appreciation for people at the deepest level? You know, are you doing that? And then most importantly, are you walking the talk? You know, I mean, people are going to believe what they see you doing as opposed to what you say. And so what is that looking like every day? I I mean, as a leader, you're on stage every day. So what message are you sending by how you conduct yourself on a day-to-day basis? And this isn't just a clarification here, you're not necessarily saying like an either or when it comes to the walk and the talk or getting in people's shoes. It's an and both kind of thing, right? Yeah. I mean, you just have to walk the talk every day and truly get out there in their shoes. Yeah. I mean, to really understand. And that's the heart piece, right? I mean, do you really care or not? You know, I mean, that's what I love. Martin Luther King had a great quote. And, and this just really gets to, again, a young person that might be just starting in an organization or still in college and so forth. He says this, he says, everybody can be great. And he's talking about leaders, you know, as a, as a leader, everybody can be great. It's not about being the smartest person in the room. What it's about is having a heart full of grace and a soul generated by love. That's what it's about. So if you have a heart you have the opportunity to be great and to be a great leader. And that's what it emulates from. And people can see that when you talk about being authentic, when you talk about somebody of high character, people can see, is this really a heart issue or is it strictly a head issue where this person's just coming at us because that's their job and you know, you know what, what's required for the day? Or do they really care about me at the core? And it's those people that step into that and get, I mean, it's something that you have to work at because our human nature says we think about who? Ourselves. Exactly. And so we're born to be, you know, more of an authentic, you know, basically a positional authority type leader, if you will. And uh, it's easy. Anybody can do that. But to think about the greater good of others, think about other people above and beyond ourselves. It's hard, and we have to be intentional say, I need to change my mindset here. I need to get out of this paradigm and step into Jesus' paradigm of service and thinking about others above and beyond myself every day. And to do that, I mean, you have to put yourself in around people that believe in that and want that and, you know, whatever that looks like because on your own, it's challenging. And so would you say that like that is the hardest part of servant leadership? Is that just a, like a section of the hardest part or like because this like you said, this there's no part of this that's just like, let's say rolls off the tongue, something that comes naturally going against, you know, sinful nature to actually do this consistently, you know. And so I guess the, the question that I'm that I'm trying to form here is like, why would someone be resistant to this? You know, why? Because it gives already you can see a lot of the the benefits that you're pointing out i mean I, I feel like everyone can get in line with all right we like what this stuff brings but then actually putting it into practice and so facing that challenge and maybe and i'm taking a guess that not everyone has has succeeded at servant leadership and so in your experience what has been 
maybe the most common reason why people fall away from this model or they're resistant to accepting it in the first place. Yeah, it does get back to human nature, as you said, Stephen, to be honest with you. And because you just hit it right on the head. I mean, I, I ask a question of every group that I get in front of training them on servant leadership. It's tell me the attributes of your favorite boss that you've ever had. And to the T, I mean, I've talked, I've asked that of thousands and thousands of people, and they always describe attributes that are servant leadership attributes. And so I come to the conclusion, and I'm very confident in that conclusion, is that everybody loves working for a servant leader, and everybody wants to work for a servant leader. So why aren't there more servant leaders? Because it's, it's in the minority. I mean, there are very few when you get right down to it and when you look at all leaders across the board. And it gets absolutely right back to our human nature says we think about ourselves and it's so much harder to, you know, st- I mean, there was only one perfect person. That was Jesus. That's why his name's on the cover of my book. But the, the fact is that we are all sinful. So what does it take to get there? It is hard work. And I believe, and again, that's the, you know, the last chapter of the book talks about basically, I mean, the secret sauce, if you will. And that really is, I mean, leaning into Jesus. I mean, with God, all things are possible. And that's what really enables, I believe, true servant leadership is just leaning into the Lord and just asking for help on that every day, day in and day out. Lord, I can't do this on my own. I know I'm underqualified to be to lead this group, but I know with your help we can do that. And that you can help me to focus on these people at the core that you want me to, at what their needs are for today. And that just is so empowering, you know, from a servant leadership standpoint. And that's why we again we can all be great. You know, as believers, we have the living God within us, the Holy Spirit right there. I, you know, all the people I coach, I tell them, you have the very best coach in the world, and it's not me. You, you, know, you have the living God, the Holy Spirit living within you that you can call upon 24-7, 365, never leaves your side, is always right there. And how powerful is that? Yeah. So then getting into the, the faith aspect, and so... This is truly the core, as I'd say, it's what you've been getting at with servant leadership. And so one, if you could just outline Jesus's ministry, talk maybe a, just a particular Bible story or two that has really impacted you in terms of discerning what exactly servant leadership is like. And then I specifically want to get into like why exactly servant leadership is, why it's necessary, I'd say, to, to really get into the results that you're looking for, why you need the faith component. Because as you're familiar, there are other servant leadership, either the Servant Leader Institute or other organizations that focus on servant leadership, but they don't have this model as what they're shooting for. And if you could just speak into, <laughs> quite frankly, the, the success levels, the actual like the sticking of Servant leadership that has Jesus as the model or servant leadership that's just, you know, worldly principles that are, you know, they they look nice, they sound nice, but in reality, they don't stick. They don't actually bear the fruit that we're all longing for, you know, so. So uh, to hit on a couple of your points there, one, you ask about stories in Jesus' life that maybe illustrate servant leadership. One of my favorites and there's a lot. I mean, I could go on and on. But one of my favorites is when, 
you know, the leper called upon Jesus as he just happens to be walking by. And the leper says, hey, Jesus, you know, will you heal me? And, you know, in that day, you know, if you had leprosy, you know, what was the custom, right? I mean, you couldn't well, be... let's say you were unclean. You couldn't go into the temple. You couldn't interact with anybody else. You were completely outcasted. Totally yeah. outcast. Nobody was to be near them, right? I mean, nobody even close. And what does Jesus do in that? So he could have, from 30 yards away, said to that guy, yes, I hear you. Be healed. You know, I know you got leprosy. Be healed. And, you know, and he would have been healed, right? But you wouldn't have had the, um, the physical aspect of the faith component of healing. You would have had the physical healing. So what did Jesus do? He went over, and what does the Bible say? He touched the man. He got so close, so present, so approachable. He entertained his request, and he walked right up to him, this person who is shunned from the rest of the world, not even supposed to be close, because even if you get in the area, you might get leprosy. Jesus goes up and touches the individual, embraces him, and guess what? He showed empathy. So his feelings, his emotions came out for the individual. Again, servant leadership to the core, and he healed him. And he not only healed him from a physical standpoint, he healed him from a faith standpoint. And the relationship there was just unbelievable. So what a beautiful thing that, you know, how many people do we have out there, and no matter what age that we are, that oh, I don't really want to associate with those folks. They don't seem like somebody that I you know, want to be around. I mean, we, can all, we have that every day, that we're going around the block instead of right through the block or whatever. And Jesus did just the opposite of that. He got up close and personal to every single person. And that's what servant leadership really is all about. Now, back to your other question, you know, where does the faith component come in? I mean, I, you know, I called my company Triune Leadership Services for a reason, right? I mean, because when you look at the Triune God, that in and of itself, what a beautiful model of servant leadership. I mean, how they, the three aspects of the Trinity work and serve each other. You know, God the Father was the creator of everything, and holy cow, who wouldn't want to be, you know, in service to our creator? I mean, when you think about all the blessings, the creation, I mean, everything that he did is we want to serve him. Well, then Jesus came down and illustrated, you know, what servant leadership really looks like. Here, I want to show you, you know, if it was just God, if he never came down from heaven, it's just like, whoa, you know, I mean, I'm not sure if I really get it or whatever. Well, Jesus came down and modeled it. He got out close and worked with the lepers. He fed 5,000 people. He, I mean, he went, you name it. He did. I mean, he showed us exactly what it looks like to be a servant leader. And then it's just the, so that's all fine and dandy, but it's still not easy because as sinners, our human nature says we're going to think about ourselves. Well, then the Holy Spirit comes in and says, you know what? I'm never going to leave your side. I'm going to be with you every step of the way. I'm here. You can lean into me, and I'm going to help you to really be in this mode of service all the time. So the ability to have Jesus slash the Holy Spirit as your personal coach just enables you to do things that on your own are, quite frankly, physically impossible. And so that's why I, I mean, it, the faith component for me personally, this might not be for everybody, but for me personally, I could never do it. I could never lead. I could never do the things I do today 
if it were not for Jesus, if it were not for, you know, the Lord every day to lean on and make all things possible. So then how do you approach somebody that doesn't share the same faith that you do? And so you are trying to, you're, you're both working towards the same goal, but you're using different strategies per se, different faiths, if that's the strategy to get there. What is usually maybe their response like, so why do you lead the way that you do? And then, you know, their reaction, but also like, what exactly do you focus on sharing when you're having that conversation with like this, this is what matters to me. And there are just certain things that I can't compromise on in order to make sure that I serve and lead you well, you know? Yeah. So, you know, and I work in the secular world, right? I mean, I work with corporations and businesses all the time. And there are times when an organization will say, you know, we just want to keep the scripture out of it and just focus on the principles. But guess what? Nothing changes as far as the model. Because I will be very clear and I'll, I'll always stand on that my model is based on Jesus. And whether you're, you know, you're a believer from a faith standpoint in Jesus, I mean, that's not, we can still look at the model. Jesus was an individual that took those 12 senior leaders and moved it into $2.5 billion. So no matter what your faith, whether you're Muslim, whether you're Buddhist, whether, I mean, you name it, Let's look at what this individual did and how, you know, the model of leadership that he utilized, and we'll just stick with that. And that's still, you know, we get locked down on our foundation. What's our purpose? What's our vision? What's our values? Now let's build energy and engagement with the team. Let's drive performance. We have to be getting better every day. Let's build relationships with our folks. I mean, we do this not in a vacuum. We do it with our teams. And then we have to be people of high character. Otherwise, nobody's going to be following you. So it really, I mean, it doesn't matter, you know, what your faith component is. You can still step into that. My wild card that I, you know, I believe is if you bring Jesus on your team as the coach, uh, you know, and internalize that from a faith standpoint, then it's like turbocharged, right? I mean, when you've got that help every day, day in and day out that you can lean into and, you know, for that model and for help, um, it can really help. And I know for myself personally, I couldn't do it without that. Yeah. Have you ever had anybody, dare I use the word converted from your servant leadership tactics? Like you act, like you share all these principles and you, you really have the opportunity to witness to somebody to, to share the gospel through what you're doing. And then just this brand new world of, of life, of opportunity, of service that opens up and they just had never seen it before. Anything like that? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, I could go down the list and name them off. I mean, because so I do a, a leadership roundtable where I bring in uh, leaders from um, different organizations all over the United States, actually, and uh, into this basically seven session encounter over about a three and a half month time frame where I'm teaching them leading Jesus way, very specifically leading Jesus way. And, um, and oftentimes organizations have embraced this and they encourage their leaders to step into this, you know, aspect and they may be believers. They might not be believers. And I, I mean, I have absolutely had, I mean, one of the first ones that it really just set me back and it just said, okay, Lord, I understand why you have me doing what you're doing. Basically, she said, I met Jesus through this leadership training. That's huge. That's, that's the ultimate one right there. When I think some like, listening through this episode what i hope somebody's able to get out of this is that you know it's not 
it's not advancing trial and leadership services. That's nice, but that's not the goal. You know, the it, profit, that's nice, but it's not the goal. You know, ultimately, there's a certain humility that comes from this gospel approach of this is where we get all these principles from that, you know, if that's ultimately, if that's the real scoreboard, you know, not that we're, we're looking for notches in our belt per se, or, you know, how many souls did we save today? You know, not the, at the end of the day, we're all on the same spectrum. We're all this equal level of, of sinful, you know, but at the end of the day to get to share that message and to see somebody actually come to the realization of this, like this Jesus died for me. And now I see someone in front of me, they're dying to themselves every day. They're getting in their, their what do you say, slapping, they're, they're taking off signatures, they're pulling stuff off the line, you know, to get to see that. And then, you know, because you'll never know what else is going to happen outside of the workplace, you know. That, okay, so here's my next question. Has anyone ever come up to you and they talk about a moment that you had with them on the plant, on the floor, whatever, just a, a, a moment that it was you just going about your your service of the day, but then all of a sudden that starts a chain reaction into this part of their life. And then they shared it with this person and that person had something occur in their life, you know, and all, all it took, all it took was just you modeling this, this servant leadership example. Yeah. One of the most basic examples of that, Stephen, that has happened, I mean, that comes up time and time again, it's the whole aspect of knowing people by name. So in those facilities that I, you know, I, again, there's 600 to 1,000 people in a facility, you know, that you have responsibility for. And I was very, very, very intentional about learning people's names because when I went out and walked around, I wanted to call them by name and I wanted to know who their spouse was and who their children were and all those types of things. And I still to this day, I mean, just a couple months ago, I was in Menards and I hadn't worked with this individual for probably 25 years. And they came up to me and said, Mark, I will never, I've always just marveled at the fact that you always knew my name. And it's just like, for me, that was just the most simplest thing that you do. But I mean, it means so much to people from that standpoint. And so, and, and again, I've had people say that and then that they take that on that I understand how impactful and how important that is. And so now I try to focus on, you know, you know, just learning people's names, you know, that much more. And that's kind of the blocking and tackling, right, of building relationships and just the, the core things. But the impact that has is it's mind boggling to me. I mean, it's just and, and people still to this day talk about it. I had somebody just in a training session the other day that had happened to work for me again 20 years ago, but now was in a business that I was training with or whatever and basically raised his hand and said, hey, I can vouch for exactly this whole aspect. I saw Mark when he was in all employee meetings, there'd be 300 people in the crowd and he would call each and every one of them by name when they had a question or whatever and that type of thing. And that just had such an impact. So just something as simple as that, the, the profound uh, impact you can have with folks is, is uh, pretty neat. Well, and again, that's really not that, it's not complicated, no. you know, it, but let's say, let's compare the standards of knowing everybody's name to knowing, let's say your, so, or someone's, we'll just use someone, someone's favorites, all the people that you like, you know their names, but not the people that mm, kind of those people, not so much, but when the standard, just the extra step into, let's just at least get everybody onto a personal name basis. I mean, that's huge. Cause that, I can only imagine the, the, just the, the disconnect 
the miscommunications that could happen from, well, this white, he called that person by their name, but not me, you know, and then same kind of what we talked about earlier, that things start to spiral. But what's, again, great, what I wanted to get a little bit, just we're, we're almost out of time here, but something that I at least picked up too from the book, the fact that you've got this model with Jesus for your servant leadership is it gives everybody an objective standard. There's no place that nobody else, like anybody can run to and say, oh, I'm just a little bit better than everybody else. I think that's what's super cool too about this servant leadership concept, especially when you've got Jesus as the main leader is everybody's on the same playing field. And then when you have people like in your position that are actually able to embody that, model it for those around and say, hey, we're all, we have different jobs. Yes, everyone's got what they're in charge of, sure. But, you know, I'm going to at least make sure that you understand your job is just as important to the overall success of the team as somebody else's job, mine, whatever the title looks like, ultimately getting at the character. I love that you put character too at the end, that, that after foundation and energy and performance, all of that, Character is what finishes. That's huge. If you don't have character, nobody's going to be behind following you. I mean, that's just the bottom line. So that's just absolutely. That's why I say it rests right on top of the model. That that's. And again, you look back to the Jesus. You know, for three years he was talking about what his purpose was. He's here to save us. He's here to provide life for us. He's here to do all those things. But so, how did he walk that out? Right to the cross. He went right to the cross and he illustrated everything that he'd been talking about. He then did. He took that beating and went right to the cross and hung for each and every one of us. And that is the ultimate character when you do that. And what did he do before that? He went around and washed each of his disciples' feet. I am going to do this. I am going to serve each and every one of you. Again, what a beautiful model that he illustrated in that last week of what servant leadership really look, looks like. And that's what he left not only his senior leaders with, but all of us with as well. I mean, we're in that stream now where now, okay, we understand what that looks like, that sacrifice and to really serve others. And so now that's really our challenge. And that's the performance piece. Jesus expects great things from us. He said, you know what? I expect you to do more than what I did, you know? And so that's, that's a high bar. But again, he's there for us always. I mean, he sets that bar high. Why? Because we can't do it on our own. We need to lean into him. And so that, there it is. So it all comes around with him being just such a beautiful model and an enabler for us to really step into being that servant leader and, and being that positive impact for people along the way. Uh, not, a, not an enabler in the sense of letting destructive behaviors continue to run, but an enabler in you now have a Holy Spirit that's powerful beyond any kind of comprehension you could ever come up with. And now look at, you know, look at what's going to come. So now that's huge. So any other final remarks, some like, a, I don't know, one more story or a quote or whatever might be that maybe one more banner per se of servant leadership, some, a send off, your preferred send off. Yeah, well, I would just in speaking to your audience, you know, when you think about young individuals, I really wish that I had a grasp on these principles that I have today when I was the, your age, you know, the leaders, the uh, listeners' age. Um, but the recognition that it's never too late, it's never too early, it's a journey. Servant leadership is all about a journey that you step into and it never ends, right? It's not a point where, okay, I've reached the mountaintop, now I'm here and now I just coast the rest of the way out. 
you know, there was one perfect servant leader, and that's Jesus. The rest of us are not. We're not perfect. And so it's just a never-ending journey to, you know, want to look to his model, to want to lean into him, to, you know, be that servant leader that we want to be. And so I just lift each and every listener that's on this, uh, you know, podcast up in that, you know, right now you are in the prime of your lives. And you have the opportunity to just make such a positive impact and a significant impact in this world. And you have that ability. Why? Because you have a heart. And, beca- and you can be great because you have that heart. And, and I just really lift you up and encourage you to uh, really step into that and to be intentional about that each and every day. And it's amazing what you will accomplish throughout your life. That's huge. Mark Dieting, everybody. That was fantastic. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode of the podcast, go listen to a couple of the other ones we got interviews for. Or if you want to hear myself and Blake ramble on on who knows what, we got those too. But go check out some other episodes of the podcast. If you're new, thank you so much for listening to this particular episode of the Awaken Project. If you'd like to engage with us on social media, we are on Facebook. We are on Instagram. We have our own website too. That's fun. Uh, www.theawakenprojectmn.com. Got some cool content on there. If you're someone that's interested in our gap year program, uh, come talk to me. I'm the guy that heads that up. Would love to have a conversation with you and see if uh, eight months of intentionally living uh, the life under the cross is something that uh, is something that you're called to. So with that, Mark, thank you again so much for joining us today. Uh, Any ways that people can connect with you? If someone's interested in trial leadership services. Yeah, uh, my website is uh, www dot triune leadership services.com it's that easy and uh it's got my uh, email and phone number and everything right on there so the uh definitely would love to uh hear from you for sure good deal all right well thank you so much again for joining us on this episode of the awaken project podcast we will see you all next time